Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, I'm Sandy Tutwiler. And I'm Travis Tutwiler. And we'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-24. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This This is is the the word word of the Lord. Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Travis and Sandy, thank you for reading the scripture for us today. Before I get into the message, I just want to let you know that we have a meeting coming up on December 2nd. Uh, The United Methodist Church and the Boy Scouts of America have a long-standing relationship, and we have a troop, Troop 406, that is here as well. And because of the, the global nature of both of our Boy Scouts of America and the United Methodist Church, if there's going to be any change in that relationship, we have to have what's called a called church conference. To, do, to vote on that. And so that will be at 6.30 on December 2nd. We're going to gather at the church, but then it'll be by Zoom. And we're going to meet up with other people and other churches uh, in this uh, region to vote. If you want more information about that, I'll be happy to uh, let you know that. But uh, we are obligated to announce that meeting at least 10 days ahead of time uh, to the congregation. So, But please let me know if you have any questions about that. Well, the Sunday before Thanksgiving... I, I get this is I get really excited at this time. I mean, some people get excited for Christmas, and I get excited for Thanksgiving because really, on the whole, it's kind of a low maintenance, low expectation kind of holiday, right? Now, if you're hosting a bunch of people in your house, yes, that's more high maintenance. Yeah, absolutely, it's a lot of work. I understand that, but it's it's really low maintenance. Otherwise, I mean, you don't have to buy a special sweater to wear at Thanksgiving, right? You don't buy gifts for people at Thanksgiving. You don't sit around singing. Special Thanksgiving songs. You just you you eat and you watch lots of sports. If you don't like sports, there's lots of movies, and and no one really expects that much of you, right? It's just a cool. It's just a cool time. I love Thanksgiving. It's it's awesome. And and inevitably, of course, before you eat or somewhere along the way, somebody says, "Okay, everybody, say one thing you're grateful for." Right. Let's go around the table. Everybody got to say one thing that you're thankful for. And you and I can probably make that list right now, can't we? Right. I'm, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my home. I'm grateful for my church. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for, you know, the usual things. Unless you were sitting there scrolling through social media or your news feed before you were asked that question. Because, man, there's just, there's just plenty of bad news to go around, right? I mean, there are just so many things that, are, that happen. There are so many things that get our attention, that pull us in all kinds of different directions and not in happy directions. And if we, if we go down that rabbit hole, it's really, really difficult to think about thankfulness and gratitude. It's all the more reason for us to be on this path to contentment. That's what we've been talking about throughout this message series. Today is the, is the last message in this series on the path to contentment. We want to be able to affirm, like Paul did in his letter to the Philippians, that I have learned to be content 
in all circumstances. And he, he, he elaborates on these, you know, in times that I've had plenty, in times that I've had nothing, in times I've been ill, in times I've been healthy, and that in all things to be content. Not, it's not just about happiness, and the happiness is good. I, I endorse it. You should find ways to be happy. But about that sense of contentment, something that I think we all kind of yearn for, we all kind of know what it is, but we don't, it's hard to put into words, Right? It's the kind of thing that you can't just say, I'm going to be content. There are other pieces that go along with it. And that's what we've been talking about, how there's all these other qualities, these other practices to do in order to get to the point where we are more and more content with our life. Now, we've also been pairing that in this series with the teaching about stewardship. I know you say that in the church, and a lot of people are like, ah, money. Well, money has something to do with stewardship. Sure, it does. But stewardship, that we've been defining it, stewardship is what we do after we say yes to God. It's what we do after we say yes to God. So yes, God, I, I give you my life, give you my heart, accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Uh, God, yes, I'll try to live by the Bible. Yes, I'll... Okay, what you do next is stewardship, because we are steward of this gift of life. We're trustees, in a sense, of this life that we've been given, because we didn't... We didn't design this life. We didn't construct this life. I didn't decide to be born. I, just, I was. It was just, it's a gift. So how we live that out is how we've been talking about stewardship. So today the reading is from 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is an interesting book in the Bible. Um, biblical scholars pretty much all agree that this is the oldest writing that's in the New Testament. That this letter predates the writing of the Gospels. So you have this glimpse into the, the, the questions and the angst of the early, early church. So, so what, was the, what was the presenting situation? You know, Paul wrote letters. He wrote some of them were just kind of general instructional letters, but some of them were, were for a specific reason. You know, for Corinthians, he says in the first chapter, I hear there are divisions among you. So he spends all of that letter to the Corinthians talking about love and the unity of the body of Christ to address the division that's going on. Well, for the, first, for the Thessalonians, they, they, their quandary was that when Jesus was resurrected, and there were a lot of witnesses that saw Jesus alive after he had died on the cross, put in a tomb, he's alive. But then he ascends into heaven, Right? with the announcement that he will return. Well, in the earliest church, the belief was he's going to return any day now. I mean, it was this real, very, very um, kind of urgent sense of Jesus is returning any day now. Don't need to make long-term plans because Jesus is coming back any day now. And with the expectation, when Jesus comes back, he's going to restore the rule of God on earth. The kingdom of heaven will be made real. The new Jerusalem is here. But then some people in their congregation began to die. You know, just things happen. They got sick. They whatever. And so then they began to be worried. Well, are they going to miss out? What about these people who die? I mean, didn't Jesus say... No, none of you will pass away until all these things are accomplished or something like that. So why, why are these people dying and what's going to happen with them? So Paul writes this letter to address that concern. 
So in spite of the fact that there's, there's some unknowns, and we're grieving. Some of the people in our congregation for the Thessalonians had passed away. They're grieving. There's some things don't work out the way we want them to work out. So Paul says in chapter 4, he says, So we grieve, but we do not grieve as people with, who have no hope. And you get into chapter 5 where his, his instruction is, uh, it, it's these short words and phrases, right? It's almost this staccato kind of rhythm of rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Just this kind of short, remember that, do that, live that, and live it in the here and now. This is not, we're not going to wait, don't wait for Jesus to return to live this way. We live this way now. Because the one who calls you will do it, will accomplish it. So, he's teaching them a posture of gratitude in those days. He's teaching them a posture of gratitude. So, and, and, and it's a gratitude for them to experience then and there, not just after Jesus comes back, but a present kind of thing. And I know so often we think, well, you know, once I have X amount of money in my retirement account, I'll be satisfied. Once I have accomplished this thing, everything's going to be okay. Once I get my ducks in a row, it's always out there somewhere. And the thing is, you'll never, it just never happens because there's always something that doesn't work out the way you think it will, and we're always chasing something like it's going to make us happy or make us content, and it doesn't. I love the story in um, Emily Freeman's book, The Next Right Thing. She talks about being on vacation in South Carolina with family, and they were uh, at a harbor there, and there was a marina, and uh, there was this gigantic yacht there, huge yacht. She said, just bigger than anybody had ever seen. I mean, people gathered just to look at the yacht because it was so big and amazing. And, and, she, and you could see the servers on the deck in uniform serving people their drinks and their food. And as the day went on and got close to evening, you saw those same servers now in black tie serving the people on the deck. And as a lot of, a lot of folks would do, they, they put out into the water uh, to see the sunset, have dinner and have sunset out on, in the water. So the, as, as the yacht was leaving... You could finally see the name on the back of it. And the name of it was Never Enough. Never Enough. Wow. Right? If you're always chasing enough, thinking then I'll be content, then I'll be grateful, that it never happens. So, so let's talk about, because gratitude is not about external circumstances. So let's talk about what is gratitude? How do we define Gratitude. There, so there's two components to gratitude. One is, is an affirmation that there is good in the world. There is good in the world. I mean, for Christians, sure there's good in the world. God is good. God created the world and said, it is good. So sure, there's goodness in the world. It's easy for us Christians to affirm that. Sometimes it's, we don't see it as often as we would like, but, you know, there's goodness in the world. The second thing is, is to believe that the source of that goodness is outside of myself. I mean, I can do good things. I, we can participate in good things. We can, but the source of goodness is not me. The source of goodness is outside of me. And so again, we believe God is the source of goodness. 
It's not in, it's not, I don't own it or possess it. It comes from outside of me. Because God is the author of goodness after all. So any goodness we experience then comes as a gift. It's a gift to experience it. Now I won't say a lot about this, but there is a, a, a significant obstacle to developing gratitude, uh, and that is entitlement. Entitlement. I mean, because think about it. And I'm talking about, it's, boy, certainly in, in American culture, I'm talking about any people group, any station of life, we see plenty of entitlement. I should have, I deserve, because right, it's all about me. It's kind of hard to develop gratitude if you have a sense of entitlement about everything. So let's get practical. How do you, how do you develop gratitude? Now, certainly part of it is internal. Sure, I mean, you have to have the will to want to be uh, grateful and you, to develop gratitude. Yeah, and, and, and you need to uh, consciously make effort to see goodness in situations and in people. And, you know, I don't want to be so trite as to say it's like seeing the glass half full, but it's that kind of idea that you don't just see the limitations, you don't see the difficulties, you also will look for goodness. And, and so, yeah, there's an internal component to that. But with all these things, that we've been talking about in this series, there, there's got to be a practice, that, there's got to be a behavior that goes along with it to develop it. So, uh, well, sure, there's the tried and true, make a list, right? Make a list of what you're grateful for. Keep a gratitude journal where you write in, you know, what you're grateful for. Do you know, they, they do research on this. At, at University of California, Berkeley, they have, uh, they have a whole program there that studies things like gratitude. Harvard has a, has a, a whole program that studies happiness. Because this is important to human flourishing, right? This is important to our lives. We want to have good, healthy, productive, happy lives. And so they study this. They, I mean, this is studies. They do research. They do peer-reviewed research that they do. So, Sure. The tried and true make a, make a grateful list. But here's some of the things they say according to the, the research they've done. Keep a gratitude journal. Don't write in it every day. Once or twice a week. Once a week is about right, they said. Twice a week pushes it, but don't do it every day. Because, they said, according to the research, according to what they found, was that most people, not everybody, most people, though they... they it's kind of a task. It's kind of just a thing I've got to get done today. Oh, I've got to do my gratitude list. Okay, check. I did it. Okay, that's, that's great, it just, but it doesn't really develop a depth of gratitude. So, not about once a week, they say is about right. Secondly, don't make a long list. <laughs> I know, we could, we could write long, long list of the things that we're grateful for, but but it's more important, they say, to go deeply on something that you're grateful for. So it's like saying, I'm, I'm really grateful for my best friend. On my gratitude list, my best friend. Well, and that's great. It's, it, it's another to say, I'm very grateful that I have the kind of friend that reached out to me last week knowing I was having a really hard week and I had to make some hard decisions and came by and took me for a cup of coffee to chat for a little bit. You see? The depth of the friend, so it's not just my best friend. 
but this depth of this connection, this relationship with your best friend. So, don't make a long list, maybe five things. Maybe five things. Don't do it every day, do it about once a week. And, and, to, and to sit in that goodness and, and, to, and to think through what's the depth of, the, of your gratitude in that situation, in that relationship. So, I thought, well, I guess, you know, if I'm talking about keeping a gratitude journal, I guess I should do a gratitude journal. I should make a list or two. Might be helpful for me to do it, too. So, the, uh, uh, I also read an article that said, if you're a worrier, if you have... If you struggle with anxiety, make a worry list. And it said, it said, go ahead, make a worry list. Write down all the things you worry about. And part of what it said is, one of the things that when you do that, often it loses its power. Because if you just keep it inside, it, boy, it really, it really thrives, doesn't it? You have some worry about whatever it is, and you don't tell anybody, you just keep it. Boy, it can really grow. Even the act of writing it down can take away the power of a worry or an anxiety. But it also helps you to be clear about what it is you're worried about. Okay, that's great. Gratitude journal, I should write some things down. And then I thought, you know, when I'm up here talking about this, I'm going to say, some. I've made some notes about my gratitude about this church. Gratitude about this church. So here's my gratitude list. Part of my list, I could write a whole lot of things, but part of my list... uh, for Stonebridge, I, I really am grateful that you highly value all generations being involved in your ministry. It's not just, you know, we don't just focus on the adults and, well, got to have child care for the kids. It's not just, oh, the kids are our world and adults, it doesn't matter. No, I mean, you want all generations involved. And, and the uh, most recent example is uh, the work day we had here last month. Uh, you know, we had a work day. There was some work done outside the building. There was some work done inside the building. And yes, there were some men with chainsaws that day. Yes, that's right. But you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just adults out there doing it. There were children too, not with chainsaws. Not with chainsaws, don't worry. But children were inside the building because people were cleaning out closets and they were helping move things one place to another and, or they were taking the stack of paper to the person who was doing the shredding. Uh, we had, we had children all the way to people well older than me involved that day, together. I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that you respond so quickly to uh, collections and, and gifts that we need to take care of other people for. I just, it's just amazing to me. I've, every year when we do the Malvern Elementary Coat Drive, I'm always amazed at how many coats we get. I'm just like, good grief. Like a, we could open a department store with all these coats. I'm amazed how quickly the, the angels on the angel tree disappear. I mean, the, the fact that there are over 150 families and now there's only like 22. And that, this just happened last week. There's only like 22 left, I'm told. And you have to go to the sign-up genius to sign up for a, for a family from Malvern. You know, we had a, when we did the turkey collection, I like to say turkey drive, but that is a whole different thing. We had a short time frame because they changed the deadline. And, and still, in the space of, of less than a week, we had 24 turkeys. You, you just respond. Yep, we're in. Here we go. We want to help somebody. I am so grateful that you do that. I'm grateful for your response 
uh, to the news that we put out on an email a few weeks ago about uh, the anticipated budget deficit that uh, we would have. Uh, we, there have been people who have said, yep, I'm giving this money, this is above and beyond to apply to that anticipated deficit. I mean, I really, really appreciate that, and that I'm very, very grateful that you respond in that way. And, and one of the things I just thought I'd say about this, too, you know, it's, um, I, I know, I won't, I won't name the churches, but I know of churches, uh, let's just say in suburban Dallas area, that have six-figure deficits right now. It's, it's not just one church. It's not just us. It's, it's, there's several. They're trying to figure out how they're going to finish the year well. And friends, that's not because there's necessarily a problem with the church. Part of it is that we're coming out of a pandemic. We're still trying to figure out what that looks like, what that means, how we... There's still a lot of uncertainty around that. I'm very, very grateful for the way that you have responded so far to that. And I'm also grateful to your response about our commitment cards, because yes, we have done the annual in the fall. Please let us know your, uh, your giving commitment for the next year. Yes, we've been doing that, and uh, we have had uh, a good response. I appreciate your response to that. And let me just briefly say, you know, we've been saying all along our goal is to receive 150 cards. It's not a dollar amount. It's about the cards. Because to me, that's a measure of engagement. That's a measure of engagement. And so if, if someone says, oh, man, I can't give more than $10 a month, Okay, but if you, when you sign a card, you're saying, I'm in. This is important to me. It's important to the church. I'm going to, that's an engagement. And so to me, when we say 150 cards, that's what that's about. That's what that's about. So uh, we've received uh, over 90 now. Um, uh, Pastor Janet will say more about this in a few minutes. Uh, interestingly, of the, of the, the commitments we've received, over $150,000 is new money. In other words, people who have not given before or they've not committed before didn't know it was, and it, it's new. About 16 of the people so far, uh, if this, is their first, this is the first time for them to commit to giving in the church. It's new commitments. So that's people that probably in the last couple of years, think about that, through the pandemic, have gotten connected to the church or stepped up their sense of commitment. Yep, we're in. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm grateful for that kind of response. Grateful that, and I'm grateful that you are responding to God's work in your life in that way. I mean, and that's what Paul was trying to get at with the Thessalonians too. He was trying to get at them. It's not, it's not just things you have to do, because he said in those last two verses I read, he said, may God himself, the God, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God is doing a work in us. God is, continues the, the process of creation in us so that we become more whole and more complete. So yes, we have to do our part. I mean, there's things we have to do. We don't just sit back, we're not passive. There are things we have to do. We have to do things like express compassion. We have to develop an abundance mindset to live simplicity, to practice self-control, to display generosity, and to grow our gratitude.
We believe those things are a part of that path to contentment. And God works in us, in our spirit, soul, and body to conform us more closely to the person of Jesus. So I want to end with a story. Um, Some of you might have heard of a writer, author named Bob Goff. Uh, He writes great stuff. Uh, And if you ever do audible books, uh, he's a hoot to listen to. Uh, On a recent road trip, Mary and I uh, listened to one of his books, the book Dream Big. And one of the things he's done, if you know anything about Bob Goff, he uh, has really devoted a lot of time and a lot of money to establishing schools in some of the worst places on earth. I mean, the places where it's for the poorest of the poor. It is uh, in places where there's continual violence and threats of violence against people. And they, he says, okay, that's where we're going to go establish a school. And especially for girls, because in a lot of the cultures around the world, girls really don't have much of a chance. They're not gonna, they don't have an opportunity to learn anything. So that's what they do. So he was in India, and they were going to establish a school uh, for some people for this this uh, area where it was the if you know anything about India the caste system, it was people in the lowest caste, so literally the poorest of the poor, in India. So while he was there, he went to this church to visit with the pastor there, and he he goes in. He said there was no there's no furniture, there's no lights. It's just kind of a building, but there is a table there, and there were two jars on on the table with uh, uncooked rice. So he asked the pastor about it. And the pastor said, well, for us, a handful of rice is a meal. So think about that for a second. Yeah. A handful of rice is a meal. So when people come to church, we, they know if you need a meal, take a handful of rice. Not more than that. A handful is a meal. Take a handful If you have rice and you come to church, give that rice. Give a handful of rice. He said, so every time people are coming in, some are taking some rice and some are giving some rice. And he said, you know, we've done this for years and neither jar has ever been empty. There is goodness in the world. There is goodness here. For all of that, we are grateful to God. Let's pray. God, we are indeed grateful for your goodness. We're indeed grateful for the ways that you love us even when we are unlovable. Your faithfulness to us when we sometimes are not faithful to you. We thank you for the ways that you strengthen and sustain us in the difficult times. We're grateful for the goodness that is in the world. So God, help us to see that goodness and help us to live that goodness and to be a grateful people knowing that you are the giver of all good gifts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.